Hey there, this is Adam Zekas with Tom Kissingbear from the IDP Read and React IDP Podcast right here at DLF. Uh, say hello, Tom. It's you, chap golly good gosh. Here I am. Uh, great. Uh, anyway, um, if you're interested in getting started with IDP and Dynasty Leagues or looking for a way to dominate your IDP Leagues, then our show is for you. Isn't that right, Tom? Ah, oh, yes, my good man. And of course, I bring the coveted data and insight that can only come from a monarch-loving, tea-slurping, crumpet muncher such as myself. Yep, very, very cool, Tom. Very cool. Um, well, you can find our podcast right here in the DLF Family of Podcast feed on DynastyFootball.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at the Read and React. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, it is the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan, that's Ryan, and over there is Matt. Episode 511 of the podcast, guys. And uh, it, we're happy to have Ryan back on the show. Ryan, you missed a week. You're away. Uh, uh, I think I said on the show that you, you it was a romantic getaway. You were trying to <laughs> fall back in love with Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, okay. How'd it go? Uh, we didn't didn't accomplish that. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty relaxing, though, overall. So. He didn't get a rose, huh? No, no, unfortunately not. We'll see. We'll see. You know, happens. you know, Ryan, you haven't spoken enough about Juju lately, and there are so many that are pretty, pretty jacked about the landing spot in Kansas City. So when I made that joke, I thought to myself, "We really gotta get Ryan pinned down on where he stands on Juju." Well, now that he's with the Chiefs and with Mahomes and stuff, I think we kind of glazed over it for a while there, but. You've been the leader of the Juju fan club since he was in college, really. So so where do you land, really, with Juju? I think it's a good landing spot, of course, obviously, with what happened following the signing, of course, with Tyree Kill being traded. I still think Kansas City adds a receiver in, uh, you know, possibly in the first round uh, of, of the NFL draft. So... I'm I'm cautiously optimistic with it. I, I certainly mm. think it's better than a return to to Pittsburgh, um, but I, I, you know, just just a few weeks prior to that signing and to us talking about it, I had kind of bashed the wide receiver two spot in Kansas City and the Andy yeah. Reid wide receiver two spot. So um, I don't I don't want to go back on that too much. So that's that's where the cautious optimism comes from, Matt. He didn't get a rose. It it, it didn't work out. No. It, it, it's uh, he, I don't I don't know if we can call him the leader of the Juju Smith uh, Schuster fan club. Yeah, anymore, it's it's, so. it's not anything uh, for Amari. Juju's done. I mean, Ryan's looking for the next next yeah. the next. What's crush. happening to the brand, yes. Ryan? What's up with the Just brand? Evolving, well, I bet. I'm getting old. They're getting old. You know, it, it happens. <laughs> He's like you know, Juju's like what twenty five now. You know. Old Next news. thing we're going to hear from Ryan is the productive struggle is not the way to go in a startup. Running what back, running back, running on? back. <laughs> <laughs> That's a conversation 
for another episode for sure. But we do have a lot of a lot of great topics to talk about. Three rookies to talk about in the rookie report. So we're jacked about that. We have a fun conversation about uh, some rookie or some running back landing spots that we're going to have in the startup. And then late in the episode, guys, we're going to hit another rookie mock draft. Once again, we're going to be doing super flex. So with just a couple weeks leading up to the NFL draft, we want to do a couple more of these still with uh, with rookie mocks and start talking about exactly or com- continue talking about exactly where we expect these guys to go. So uh, let's get right to the show, fellas, um, since we have so many rookies to talk about. The startup. Mm, the startup all off season, really, guys, has been you know centered around news. News that happens in the NFL, news of, of angry tweets sent Dan's way about Malik Willis. This week, it's a little bit different. Uh, we thought we'd pivot the startup in a different direction and talk about some of the landing spots, the best landing spots, worst landing spots for running backs that are still either available in free agency. And there are a few names that, that were are worth monitoring. We thought maybe our startup might center around Melvin Gordon over the weekend, it sounded like maybe he'd end up in Baltimore, and maybe by the time you're listening to this, he is there or somewhere else. But there, you know, Ryan, we've you and I have had a couple conversations over the last week talking about these running backs, the, especially these rookie running backs and the potential landing spots. And I don't know if it's as as positive as some of the dynasty community may paint the picture. These these spots that are open, uh, available, starting starting spots and backfields, those don't look maybe as good as they might have. And then and there's always the risk of these these high-end rookies, uh, Walker and Hall, of them landing in a spot with, with a veteran already in tow. Yeah, I think we're guilty of this every offseason, prior to the draft every year, that it's just eternal optimism that we – we think of the entire rookie class in, in a best-case scenario, and, and then the NFL draft happens, and either a, a running or either a rookie lands in what might not be viewed as such a good landing spot, or the rookie uh, hurts the value of one of those veterans that we were maybe counting on. And if you look at the, the running back landscape right now, depth charts and, and those openings, uh, it's not going to line up perfectly. You know, Kenneth Walker's not going to Houston and, and Brees Hall go to Atlanta and Melvin Gordon, you know, go to, I don't know, the Jets or whoever. Like, it's not going to line up exactly like that. We're going to have a situation where one of those three running backs really, really hurts the value of someone that we're probably thinking of as safe right now. You mentioned the, the Gordon to Baltimore rumors. You know, that that's all it took was one rap sheet tweet on, on Friday morning to lead to panic f- for JK Dobbins yeah. managers. And, and when the draft actually gets here, it's going to be that times two or three or four, uh, depending on how many running backs you really value in this class. Matt, when it comes to these, these rookies, these high end rookies, especially, and we're expecting them, them to go early in the second round, maybe even late in the first, who knows Wh- where's the best landing spot for one of these rookies, especially if they go high enough for us to get really excited. 
I think the one that sticks out like a sore thumb is, is, is clearly Buffalo. You know, we just got really Devin Singletary there to worry about. And, you know, he had some nice games towards the end of the season. But, uh, you know, if somebody like Brees Hall was to go there on like a luxury pick, kind of like Kansas City did a couple of years ago with, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, then, you know, that on paper that seems like – seems incredible, right? Um, but for some reason – But it wouldn't be Brees Hall if, if, if you're going to compare him to, to Clyde. It'd probably be – be Rashad White or something well, I don't, like that, right? Well, I don't a a mean, pass catcher. I don't mean the style of play. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what mean, you mean. Like, you know, taking that luxury pick of a running back in the late first round. Um, certainly not the same kind of player. Um, but for me, it, it feels like, you know, we're going to, if that happens, we're all in. I mean, he's already the, the 101 in, in one quarterback, and for some people, I think, in, in Superflex as well. But, I, you know, I, I wonder if it's a situation where it's a team kind of like Kansas City, and you can, you know, debate the quality of, of the player in terms of Clyde Edwards or Lair, you know, in that situation. But, you know, it's a team that wants to pass the ball. It's a forward thinking organization that is a modern day offense. And, you know, how much are they going to want to run the ball anyway, um, even with a high-end running back? So it looks really good on paper, but I'm skeptical that it works out that way, both in terms of one of these top backs going there uh, and in the usage. Yeah, I certainly love the Buffalo landing spot. That that feels like the best one to me too, Ryan. You agree? I do. I was going to add to uh, to what Matt said there. This week's Monday mock article, which I've been doing all off season, was actually focused not on players but on landing spots uh, and just trying to find which is the best ones. If you're if you're watching the NFL draft in in two and a half weeks, what what should you be cheering for and rooting for 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 Brees Hall to land in and Garrett Wilson and and, and Malik Willis and all these players. And I had uh, Buffalo as the top running back spot. Uh, I had Tampa Bay as the second best running back spot. I think, I, I think again, when you look at those depth charts, we think it's Atlanta because there's Patterson and Mike Davis there, and that's it. There's really no competition. And you, and you look at Houston, and it's Marlon Mack and, and Rex Burkhead, and that looks good with no competition. But that's obviously not the only thing to factor in. I, I think if you've... Uh, if you're targeting Brees Hall or, or Kenneth Walker, or maybe if you're in a Devi league or, or a league that's already drafted and you have them on your roster, those wide open uh, depth charts are not the ones where you want those players to land. So, so there's a few really good landing spots and we could probably add a few more to that list. I, I like what you added there with Tampa Bay, even with Fournette there. Uh, that run-heavy offense, which is expected to continue, that that feels pretty good. You you might then you get into that that list of the the open open spots like Houston, like Atlanta. Maybe even you could throw like the Jets in there and and a few Seattle, others. Ryan, say. Seattle. That that that's worth talking about. Are those really that great? Of landing spots, are, are we excited about one of these elite guys, or even Melvin Gordon, or one of these other uh, veteran running backs that are still available? Are we going to get excited about those spots? Because it might be a year before that offensive line in Houston is ready to to make holes for for that running back, and they might be these teams might be playing from behind so much that a running back, it, unless he's catching a lot of passes, might not be as productive as we need him to be in the short term. Yeah, even with the lack of competition in Atlanta and Houston, uh, I I would not be excited for those as landing spots for those those top two or three rookie backs. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the Jets though, because I think one thing that 
that we as dynasty managers are guilty of every year is overvaluing youth and, and not just in trade talks or, or drafts, but just the assumption that their job is safe. Uh, I know we, we saw it last year with James Robinson, Robinson coming off uh, a, a very strong rookie year. One of the best rookie uh, running back years we've ever seen from an undrafted free agent and Jacksonville simply didn't care. I mean, you know, we can maybe put that on, on their leadership at the time, but they still spent a first round draft pick on a running back. And, and I look at the teams that could do the same thing this year, maybe not a first rounder, but at least a, a day two pick, you know, San Francisco as great as Elijah Mitchell was as a rookie. And, and you talked about the jets with Michael Carter, we're penciling in those two guys as, as locked in starters. And I'm just not sure they're that safe right now. And, and I think that list kind of goes on and on. Like, like one of these, there's a good chance that one of these top-end rookie running backs lands somewhere that we absolutely do not want them. Like what if Denver were to take somebody in the second round? That, that would just crush Javante Williams. What if they ended up in, in Los Angeles with the Chargers or in Washington with, with Antonio Gibson already there? And, and we're going to have to make some very difficult decisions post-draft, not only about the rookie that's incoming, but also this veteran, a guy like Gibson. What if Tennessee takes one and Henry mm-hmm. takes a hit? Or, or that rookie just sits behind him for a couple years? What are we going to do when, when those types of things happen? It could be in Dallas with Zeke or in Chicago with David Montgomery or, or you mentioned San Francisco, Josh Jacobs in Las Vegas. The list kind of goes on and on. It feels like this happens at least once every year that that we get disappointed, especially with these running backs. And I think we need to prepare ourselves to be devastated at, at some level when it comes to at least one of them. We do for sure. I mean, again, you look at the death charts, and right now Javante Williams has really no one behind him. I mean, Mike Boone, you know, say what you will about him, I guess. But really there's no, there's no uh, clear backup there. Same thing with uh, Saquon Barkley and the Giants. Same thing with Derrick Henry and Tennessee. Um, and, and it seems like the, the Chargers try to find a, a 1B to Eckler every single, every single draft. So, I mean, those are four teams that I could absolutely see drafting a running back uh, as early as day two this, uh, in this coming NFL draft. I guess the only caveat or the only good news is there's really only two running backs, I think, that we, we really, really care about right now. And I know Matt would probably disagree with that. But uh, w- when you're talking about running backs who are highly valued that could lose value as a result of the NFL draft, we're talking about Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, right? Like a bad landing spot for Spiller or James Cook or Rashad White maybe moves them from the late first to the mid-second or the early second to the late second. That's why I think saying it's devastating might be a little too strong because we only have two of them that we that we're strongly focused on right now. And I would push back a little bit. I mean, not a ton. Obviously, I'm not excited about, you know, the prospects of, of a running back in a place like Atlanta or, or Houston. But I will say that, you know, we, we above all else, we want volume for our running backs and they're going to get the volume there. Mm-hmm. So and those those really high end guys, if you want to just put um, 
Hall and, and, and Walker in that conversation. I'm fine with that. You know, those guys we expect to be able to produce in, in most situations. And with volume, I feel like they could both be okay in those situations, at least enough to maintain fantasy value from year one to year two. Uh, so, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hate those maybe quite as much as, as you guys do. Yeah, th- I think that's fair. And it's not, it, it, it's certainly not a, you know, it's not a horrible draft spot or landing spot. Uh, think about it this way, though. Like, what if, um, what if the Bucks draft Kenneth Walker late first round, RB1, and then the Falcons draft Brees Hall early round two? Who's your 101? I think I would still say with I think I would still stay with Brees Hall, because I want I want something. If I'm going to draft a running back highly and in a rookie draft in general, I want production pretty quick. Like that's for me, that's the main reason to take it. If you're going to wait on production, then you might as well take a wide receiver who's going to last longer uh, and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think I would still stick with Brees in that scenario. So I think I mean there's obviously a lot of what ifs in this entire conversation, and you know. 80%, 90% 80%, 90% of what we're talking about won't necessarily matter. <laughs> yeah, won't necessarily come into play. But things like this are going to happen. And, and I think dynasty managers need to be ready for it. So that's why uh, I think I think this conversation is valuable for me and, yeah. and hopefully for our listeners. Yeah, I think it probably is as well. There, you know, and maybe it spreads a little bit into some of the other positions as well. There's the chance that a quarterback gets drafted underneath a uh, a superstar that's already established at the position and is su- going to sit for a couple of years. And if, if that happens to a guy like Malik Willis, we'll have to rethink where we're willing to take a guy like that. Um, same with the wide receivers. There's, there's for sure, because there are so many uh, talented receivers in this class. And it seems like every class is going to have five or six of them now going forward. Most likely one or two of those guys are going to land in spots that we're just not sure if there's, an early opportunity for them. And that's going to affect what we, uh, what we feel about them going into that, that big push of rookie draft season following the NFL draft. Keep it here to the DLF dynasty podcast, because we will be talking about all those landing spots and, and all the potential landing spots in the weeks to come before all that though, we should probably move on to the rookie report. It's time for the rookie report. Yeah, for the first time this week, guys, we will talk about three rookies. We're, we're probably into the second round in, in a lot of Superflex mocks. Late first round, for sure. Um, those types of players, we wanted to mix it up just a little bit. We ended up landing on two wide receivers, Jahan Dotson and David Bell, and then we're going to mix in a little little conversation about Rashad White. Let's, uh, let's do this like a sandwich with the wide receivers on the outside as the bread and start with Jahan Dotson. Penn State, 5'11", like 180 dripping wet, one of those speed demons, guys, and I expected him to, to blaze through the combine, and he certainly was fast, but he wasn't in the four threes like a lot of us expected. Still, when you watch him, Matt, he he is a deep threat, just oozing with upside down the field. He is, uh, but I'm going to be a wet blanket pretty much right here at the top. I will have no Jahan Dotson, I I feel like. For me, he is a maddening player. You see him make a spectacular catch, but he follows that up with a body catch or a double catch or sometimes even a drop on what seems like a routine reception. Um, I was I would say if you want to see like an entire game that that encapsulates like 
both the upside and downside of Dotson. I think it's probably the Ohio State game, maybe the Michigan game. The Ohio State game, he had two back-to-back one-handed catches, but you also see him just get destroyed off of the line uh, against more physical cornerbacks. And, you know, in the NFL, you can scheme him open. You can put him primarily in the slot, whatever you want to do to get the ball in his hands. But if, if he does face that, that those physical corners, I think he's going to be in trouble and he's going to be need to be used primarily uh, in the slot or creatively as a space player to have success in the NFL. I don't know if he profiles at all as a slot receiver. I, I don't. He, he has a little bit of a jab step at the line of scrimmage on the outside that he can use to get off that press coverage. We've seen that against NFL caliber corners when he went up against Ohio State. Uh, there was a few of those op- opportunities. That quick jab to the inside and got a, got the outside mm-hmm. release. Outside of that, he's he's not physical at all. So so you worry about that part of it. And just inside alone. Watching him play, he doesn't. He's he's fast, and he's got the deep speed, and and he's a he's a he's explosive out of his breaks. But I don't see him on whip routes and those quick underneath passes as much as you do other receivers. I I see him like he's really good against the zone, and again, in today's NFL's proclivity to run those two high safeties, if that's going to continue into 2022 you know he may find success uh finding those spots in the zone especially in the middle of the field uh you see some of those sharp breaks that you're talking about dan so i don't think it's impossible i just think that for i don't know for me i just don't like watching him he's just it's it's it's, he for every spectacular grab he makes he drops a a terror he has a terrible uh drop or or double catch or body catch like i said he doesn't seem like he's a natural hands catcher at all like he's fighting often fighting not only fighting the the defender but he's fighting the ball a little bit so uh not not he's not for me yeah you know overall i think he's not necessarily for me either i i i go back and forth on him because those those explosive plays and those great highlight reel catches that you were talking about there, Matt, those are fun to watch. Yeah. And those, when you see those and, and you say, man, if, if we could get him in an NFL offense that schemes him open, that gives him opportunities down the field like that, that could be a lot of fun. But then then those those maddening drops and the the um, inconsistencies in his game and, and the just the way he... I don't know, profiles, I guess, is the best word because he's so small. He, he reminds me a lot of Paris Campbell, who I loved when he came out. And he's, he's an undersized guy with, with all the speed and had that burst out of the brakes, and it hasn't transferred yet to the NFL. And a lot of that is because of injuries. But there's, there's been so many of these guys that are undersized, speed demons, that have failed, and that, that gives us pause, I think. But if, if we're going to talk about Dotson, we have to talk about the positives. You know, as a deep threat, he's got late hands and he's got a killer instinct, which we care about so much. He plays bigger than what he is and he'll go get the ball, which is exciting to see. Uh, He's also an excellent punt returner, maybe maybe above average or good punt returner. Um, And that shows after the catch. He's elusive. He gets away from from the first tackler regularly. Um, And and just those those highlight highlight plays that he makes there's. There's certainly a reason to be excited about him, especially considering, Ryan, that the expectation at this point is that he's going to be available. First of all, he's probably drafted in the first 50 picks of the NFL draft. And then secondly, he's most likely available towards the end of the first round of any rookie draft that happens after the NFL draft. 
Yeah, the value is is, is on dots inside here. You you mentioned top fifty grinding the mocks has him twenty nine overall. So um, I, I would say certainly a chance uh, to to be a late first round uh, pick in the NFL draft, especially with all those uh, wide receiver needy teams down there in the last ten picks or so. We've talked about those, uh, Dan. I know you don't you don't expect him to be a Packer. But uh, the Packers, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, all those teams down there that that could use a wide receiver. Uh, He is the wide receiver six, according to, uh, again, grinding the mocks. And then you look at Dynasty rookie drafts, 110. Uh, So it looks like, as you said, a late first rounder and the wide receiver seven in the class. So I think Dynasty managers are just looking at Dotson as kind of a consolation prize if you miss out on those really high upside guys, right? Like... Uh, it kind of feels like the the top five guys are locked in, um, and, and those players that we've already talked about in, in past weeks. And then Dotson's just the next guy. Like it, it seems like even though he's being considered a first rounder in the NFL draft, dynasty managers aren't exactly excited about the about this guy. Those landing spots at the end of the first round, they, they are appealing. The, the teams sure. you mentioned there, first of all, he's not going to be a Packer. He doesn't fit into their mold, and they use molds more than any team in the league. He's not six foot. He's not even close to 200 pounds, and they're going to get a guy that's closer to those those numbers. Um, so when you see him mock to, to Green Bay, you should roll your eyes. But there, Kansas City has two picks down there, and he certainly fits their mold. And mm-hmm. I just wonder, Ryan, if he ends up a Chief, Late in the first round, so he gets the equity. Tyreek's gone. They need another speed guy to to highlight for those highlight real big plays with Mahomes. How high could could Jahan Dotson go in rookie rankings? Well, I mean, we kind of know this answer, right? Because we saw it a few years ago with uh, with Miko Hardman, and he wasn't a first rounder, but he had the landing spot, and he went from. Uh, basically a third or fourth round dart throw rookie pick to a late first rounder. Um, so now Dotson's already a late first rounder, right? Could he could he overtake Jamison Williams or Chris Olave if they land in in what's considered you know a bad spot? Yeah, absolutely. I think he could. So uh, I said that we might not see the upside right now, but uh, that that landing spot uh, would would change things. I I think he's I think he's closer to don't you think he I mean maybe it's just me I think he's closer to me a lot closer to Michael Hardman than he is to uh, Tyree Kill so if he's if they're gonna bring him in to replace somebody and I mean not replace but fill that kind of role then I, I I would hope that they would go for Jamison Williams if he was available over over Dotson because I just think the I just think the inconsistency we already have we already have that kind of receiver with with Hardman I don't I don't think he's I mean that's that's a big gap you're talking about, right? Is he Miko Hardman? Yeah. Is he Tyree Kill? Like, there's there's a lot of room in the middle, sure, and that's where I sure. think Jahan Dotson is. Um, I mean, to me, Miko Hardman is is you know a one trick pony, and he's not very good at that trick, right? Like, I think I think the allure of Dotson is that he is versatile. He can play in or out. He um, he's he brings the special teams, which we know the Chiefs. Uh, and I mean, really, every team values that with their uh, their second and third receiver, but uh, the Chiefs obviously do. Twenty one career touchdowns for Jahan Dotson. Ten of those were forty or more yards. Like, yeah, that that 
That sounds like a Chiefs wide receiver to me. No matter where he lands, Dotson's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. And, and I don't think he's the worst of, of the, the, the secondary prizes or, or the, the consolation prizes that, that are going to be available towards the end of the first round, and which is most likely where he's going to be in rookie drafts. Let's pivot the conversation to the running back position, talk a little bit about Rashad White, running back from Arizona State, six foot two, 214, and he is, he's a pass catcher. Matt, that that's how he how he looks. That every time you watch him on the field, and he was a very productive runner in college as well. He looks like he's going to move into playing on Sundays and catching passes out of the backfield, and maybe even out of the slot because he's very talented with his hands. He's he's almost like a, like a reverse Debo. Like Debo is a wide receiver that plays running back sometimes, and he kind of looks like a r- running back that plays wide receiver a lot. Like as a runner, he kind of looks like a r- wide receiver, just that thin frame, six two two ten. Um, but you mentioned it with the pass catching. Uh, just you can split him out wide. He's so versatile in that regard, a natural hands catcher. Uh, and, and, and as a runner, you know, I don't think he's necessarily as impressive, but I do like his footwork quite a bit, and he does, certainly doesn't hesitate getting north-south. Um, so you like that. Uh, he is a negative, I would say. I think you see him go down on first contact sometimes more than you like, but that offensive line does not look good. It looks pretty bad. Uh, I don't know that much about that team, to be honest with you, but just from the games I watched, it did not look like – uh, they were on the same page as the offense a, a lot of the times. Um, just to throw out a couple stats before I toss it back to you guys, uh, this is per J.J. Zacharyson. He mentioned these, uh, which I thought was pretty interesting and impressive. Uh, Rashad White has a best season reception share of 18%. He has a yards per team play rate of 2.2 and a speed score above 90. The only other two players since, nine, since uh, 2011 are Christian McCaffrey and Aaron Jones that hit those those thresholds. So not saying he's either of those guys, but you could certainly see uh, the receiving chops uh, at least, you know, come into play certainly as early as year one. I didn't really, I didn't really find out how good Rashad White was until the senior bowl. He, he, he was at the senior bowl and he was electrifying. He was all over the place. You could see why he had that speed score, yeah. Matt, because he looked he looked more explosive and more like an NFL tailback than anybody else that was there. And then um, when you go back and watch him, I like what you said that, that you know, really that balance after contact is questionable yeah, at best. I would agree. He goes down on feathery tackles way too often. Arm tackles take him down. And that's frustrating to see. He also has that high running style, so high. straight up running yep. style. Kind of like Darren McFadden. And a little he took bit. some. Reminds me of McFadden. A little bit like Darren there, McFadden, yeah. yeah. Took some big shots because of it. And that's going to continue at the next level, of course. So you wonder if he's going to be a pass catcher only at the next level. But when you did watch him between the tackles, you know, it felt to me like he could be a part of any offense. They, it's weird because Arizona, I don't know if they changed their offense between the games that I watched or whatever. But, but there was times when they were running zone and he was doing that backside cut. And then there was times when he was running power mm-hmm. and, and following the blocks through the hole and picking the lane. So... I, I felt like he can do a little bit of everything, and that makes me think because he's that pass catcher that he might be that third down back or, or pass catching back that if he has to fill in for a week or two, he could be really good. I, I, I remember Kenyon Drake, how much I liked him coming out of Alabama, and I like, I like Rashad White exactly the same way that I like mm. him. Not because he's going to be an RB1 for a team and 
you know, finish a season as a top 12 running back. But because when he's the guy, you're going to know you're going to get production. And when he's not the guy, you're still going to get some as that secondary option that catches the ball. A perfect guy to have on your roster if you're getting him in the second round of a rookie draft, Ryan. But if you have to spend that late first round pick on him, it feels like you're reaching a little bit. Yeah, and this is where kind of the reality of the 2022 class, you know, slaps you in the face because for the past two months, Rashad White has been the 112 in our single quarterback uh, rookie ADP. And, you know, this is a player that last year, the, the player type that last year or, or the year before we would have been talking about as, as a sleeper to take in the late second or even maybe in the early third round. And now the the depth of the class specifically at running back is just not there. I'm, I know for a lot of <clears throat> a lot of people, Rashad White is is their RB three in this class, and that says way more about the class than it does about about Rashad White. Um, I, I love what you guys said about the Debo Samuel comp. Uh, I don't think he's uh, in that mode. Not as physical. He's different. I just mean he's the reverse of that kind of. You know. Well, I was kind of thinking reverse of, or maybe not reverse, maybe same path as Antonio Gibson. Just you know, sure. remember when he was coming when he was coming into the league, and, and Gibson's a little bit bigger than than White is, and certainly more physical. But when Gibson was coming into the league, even at this point, we didn't know if he was going to be drafted as a receiver or a running back. And you know, of course, Washington ultimately made that decision. Um, so yeah, we could definitely see kind of the same type of, of mixed usage with uh, with Rashad White. But yeah, 112 RB4 in our current ADP. If you look at our startup ADP, uh, just outside the top 100, 113 overall and RB38. Draft capital. That's a little high. Draft capital is going to be that, that feels a little high. See, It will be. Well, draft capital is what had me worried early on. I've, I mentioned on uh, basically all of our shows that I've been tracking, grinding the mocks data and – and six weeks ago, they had Rashad White as, like, I believe the RB12 or 13. Oof. And that's when he was showing up as, like, as like a top five back in, in rookie rankings. And that's what had me off of him. I, I ranked him initially as a late second-round pick in rookie drafts because I was worried about that draft capital. If he's, if he's a middle-of-day-three pick... Yeah, it's over. Right. Um, but his... I mean, if you look at his chart, and I tweeted it out... Um, this weekend if you look at his chart on grinding the mocks it is like it is straight up straight like he is he is he is gaining some value according to grinding the mocks and and now looks like uh at worst an early day three pick so yeah I, you know i don't i don't have to tell you guys we want him to sneak into the the back end third of round. day two and he needs to be in yeah. the third i think he's going in the third round for sure it feels like there's a team out there that that doesn't want to risk losing him and will take the plunge in round 3 to give a little bit of context to to what i was talking about with if you have to give up the first rounder that feels like too much currently i have him as as the 18th player he is my rb4 but i i have him at 18 in my superflex rookie rankings i think 14 or maybe 15 in my in my single quarterback ranking. So again, if you, if you get him as your second round pick, it, it feels like you're, you're getting a guy that's going to be around for four to six years, always have a role in the offense that he's in, but never necessarily be the guy and, and giving up a second round pick for a guy like that doesn't feel all that bad. But 
with the twelfth pick in the draft, like you were saying, is his ADP is twelve in our in in DLF ADP rookie ADP. That 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 just doesn't pre- he doesn't present the kind of upside that you really need. Yeah, this is this is really an example of where our rookie. You look at rookie ADP one twelve the twelfth overall. You look at startup ADP. He's being drafted right behind Ramondre Stevenson. Devin Singletary and Chase Edmonds. Are you giving a late first rounder for those? I'm I'm not. And in fact, no if, you, if you've got that 12th pick, the 11th pick, I, I'm going to assume you've got a contending team. Why draft Rashad White when you can trade that pick for James Conner or Ezekiel yeah. Elliott? Like, if yeah, you have a point. running back need, don't take Rashad White. Like, trade that pick for a running back that can help you this year. And, and that is, is going to by far outproduce white or pick a wide receiver with that. more long-term upside like Jahan Dotson, yeah. who, if he hits, he will hit big or maybe David Bell. Who's the, who's the third rookie that we need to talk about. And an exciting one at that, not because he's got the blazing speed like Dotson or some of these other wide receivers, but because Matt David Bell, he holds on to every football that gets thrown his way. He takes contact and, and holds the ball through the contact. They swat at his arms and his, his big mitts just hold on to everything. Sticky fingers, which if you're going to pick one thing for a wide receiver, one trait, that might be the most important one. He holds on to everything. Yeah, he's just he is just such a good player. I know he doesn't have the athletic upside, so he probably doesn't have the, the, you know, the ultimate ceiling, but he is absolutely a complete... Uh, possession receiver and he's going to be a quarterback's best friend whoever he goes to like if 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 the Packers end up taking two wide receivers Dan if David Bell was the second one like I would be I would be thrilled with that I think uh sure. him with Rodgers would be would be would be pretty great uh you know he, he's got production for days uh, as a freshman he was first in the Big Ten in receptions number two in in, in this past season uh, he also led the Big Ten in receiving touchdowns as a sophomore um, he's just, he's just solid, a smart player, high football IQ, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean, I don't, there's not the, the, the problem with him. There's not a, like, there's not a lot to say about him. He's just a very good receiver and he's, he's probably never going to be, you know, a top 10, maybe top eight kind of fantasy wide receiver, unless he gets those high reception totals. He could certainly be somebody like a, like a, you know, early career, um, uh, Jarvis Landry, maybe Keenan Allen, that kind of kind of kind of reliable receiver that sneaks in there just based on like ninety five plus receptions. Um, but he's not going to be somebody that can can win your fantasy week on one play, you know, or have an entire fantasy day on one play. That's not the kind of player you're getting with him. That said, like at the end of the first round, like if you're debating, you know, Rashad White and like you said, David Bell here. There's a couple of other receivers you could throw in there. I think Bell is like the he's he's a double. You're not going to miss with him. You're not gonna you're not gonna get a home run but you'll go get a double no problem with with david bell and you know you mentioned the average speed maybe or average breakaway speed he, he, he's not great after the catch he he breaks a few tackles that's that's fun to watch yeah. um and he he uh he's maybe not the deep threat although he he made some double moves that are nfl caliber double moves i had he 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 looks exactly like a former college receiver to me and that guy is Michael Gallup. I I think he's Michael Gallup all over again. And that is not a bad thing. We're pretty excited about Michael Gallup and have been for a few years because he's, he's good at the heartbreaking routes and he, 
and he does all the dirty work over the middle, and he gets blown up by Kyle Hamilton against Notre Dame and holds on to that football. Watch that highlight. I know people say don't watch a, a highlight reel. You see that highlight, and you say, that guy is going to play in the NFL for probably a long time. So I, I, I don't even know if he has the upside, the pure upside to be a wide receiver one on his own NFL football team. But I still think he might have like low-end wide receiver two or wide receiver three upside as a fantasy asset because he's so reliable in the middle of the field. Ryan, he's, he's a guy that isn't in the conversation to be picked in the first round of the NFL draft. But he's certainly a day two guy and a guy that, that dynasty managers in the second round of a rookie draft, especially if he gets, gets into the teens, is, they should be pretty excited about getting him on their team. Yeah, I like Bell. The, the value, though, has just been plummeting. Whether you're looking at our ADP or grinding the mocks, it is, is trending the wrong direction. Currently 2.03 in our rookie ADP, uh, wide receiver 10 overall. Go back to grinding the mocks. They've got him wide receiver 15. He's behind some guys we like, but maybe some surprising names. Jalen Tolbert, Alec Pierce, Calvin Austin, and John Mechie. And, hmm. and that certainly wasn't the case two months ago. So this is a player, I don't want to necessarily say he's he's lost NFL value because you know that can be debated uh, until we actually get to the draft. But at least the perceived value or, or the expectation um, because again, at, at the beginning of this off season, this is a player that I think a lot of us looked at and, and thought was in the conversation with, with Pickens or with, um, Dotson and, and guys like that, as far as value goes. And, and it's certainly not the case now. What, so what happened really? Because he has a lot of the things that all the NFL evaluators like, all of us as dynasty managers like as well, the early breakout age, all the production, the highlight reel catches. Um, what's missing? What, what's pushing him down those mocks? Well, the combine was bad. Really, like really bad. Not just, not just below yeah, average. Yeah, you can't but, call it poor. <laughs> yeah, look, look at some of the numbers and, and they're in the single digit percentiles um, historically. So that that certainly hurt him and um again we think of from from january to uh, until april we think of these players as best case scenario and and when we really start digging in and picking them apart we find we find the negatives and, and bells kind of stand out i've i've said it before i like the player i'm probably higher on him than most i love that he um he, he tore up the top teams in the big 10 uh his best games were against Ohio State and Iowa and Michigan State. In fact, this past season, he had 13 catches against all three of those teams each. 13 catches against uh, those three teams, well over 100 yards, over a couple hundred yards in one of them, I believe. So I I really like the player. I would easily take him at 2.03 in my rookie drafts. Easily. He's 6'1", 212. Same size as Devontae Adams, by the way. Exactly. Six yeah, one well, two twelve. Okay. A little uh, slower the, though. The, the, he explosion, didn't hit, he, the explosion traits are not there though. <laughs> yeah, he didn't break that. You know, if if you're over four six, it's usually not good. And he's a four six five guy. He had, had a four. three cone at seven one four. So um, that's what people are concerned about. But you know, you can watch his worst play, and it's still a pretty positive play in in big time college he's football. He's always and, open. He's always open. He's always open. We'll see. We'll see how that translates to the NFL draft. I still think 
he's going to go in day two of the NFL draft. But mm-hmm. but I might just be too big of a Big Ten football fan. <laughs> no, I think that. that's We're going to continue to do through. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Again, grinding the mocks, 83 overall. So we're still talking about pretty easily inside uh, day two. Okay. Uh, we're going to continue to do three rookie reports each week, at least three, uh, through the NFL draft, and then uh, continue to talk about these players for, for the rest of the offseason, really, because we're so excited about many of them. Uh, really excited about a couple of guys we're going to talk about next week. But uh, we should talk, fellas, about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. Um, the DLF Dynasty podcast is brought to you by those guys over at MKF, and they are the daily fantasy sports site built for all of us, really, the rest of us. Instead of competing against those professional players like you do on other sites, Monkey Knife Fight is made for the average fan of all sports to have a chance at winning. Monkey Knife Fight offers the ability to play a wide variety of fantasy contests, including their most popular game, the more or less games, which allow you to simply pick if a player is going to score more or less than a given line. Uh, In addition to the usual games for football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, you can also play contests in golf, soccer, NASCAR, UFC, eSports, and more. I got into some of the the stuff through um, March Madness. Uh, Now the NBA postseason's coming. So many fun games with that. All the star players play so many more minutes. And uh, you can really cash in on Monkey Knife Fight. So... um, on top of you getting to play all these games, if you haven't signed up yet, you really should right now. In fact, it's the perfect time because if you sign up through our site, DynastyLeagueFootball.com, not only will um, you get a, a deposit match up to $100, you'll also get a free DLF premium subscription for an entire year. All you have to do is click the banner uh, for Monkey Knife Fight on DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Your subscription will be set up automatically within 36 hours your your bankroll will immediately double with that deposit up to a hundred dollars so what are you waiting for go to dynastyleaguefootball.com find that banner for monkey knife fight and go sign up today fellas a couple months ago when we did the transition to the new new uh all these new segments we said we're going to do a lot more mock drafts and we haven't held up our end of the bargain on that we've only done one or two so let's uh let's start reconciling that right now The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. <sighs> Guys, we love Superflex. So we're going to keep doing Superflex because you can you can take away Superflex rankings from it, and you can also take a, take away single quarterback rankings for all the other positions. So we'll continue doing that. We're going to assume PPR as well in this um, Superflex rookie mock draft. Ryan, you drew the number one pick, Matt. You're number two, and I'm I'm uh, in the hole, I guess, at the 103. Why don't we kick things off right away, Ryan? Yeah, it's super flex. So I'm taking the quarterback. I'm taking Malik Willis here. I think he has the highest upside. We've talked about the arm strength and the running ability. Like so many players in this draft, it, it's going to be unpredictable. We're waiting for that draft capital, even if he falls. He's falling to 20, and the Steelers are taking him. So I feel like Willis is in a good spot, whether he's a top 5 or 10 guy or if he falls. Ryan, if he if he lands at a spot where you know we know for a fact that you're going to have to wait an entire year, is he still the 101? Because that's the, that's the struggle in my brain right now with, with Willis, because I want to take him 101 too, but if he ends up in a situation where we know he's not playing in year one, then... 
I don't know. It's a little bit more of a, a difficult decision, I think. I, I agree. And that was what, what I was going to ask, yeah. really, because it really comes down to, like, this mock should be done as if we're doing a real team. You're, you're, you're doing a real draft yeah, right now sure. before the NFL draft. And there, is, there are so many people out there that are doing that. So you're projecting a confidence level, right, Ryan, that, that Willis is not going to end up in a situation like that. And even if he does, that his talent, or maybe even better yet, his upside will outweigh the, the risk, right? Yes, but I don't even, I don't know what those spots are. Like, what are the spots where he was, he's definitely sitting in year one that might take a quarterback? Uh, I don't think it's Atlanta or Houston or Detroit uh, or, or the Giants or Pittsburgh or Seattle. Uh, Tennessee's the one that comes to mind, but they, again, they pick behind the Steelers. I think if he falls to 20, the Steelers take him. So I, I don't know if that situation is out there really. Would you be shocked if the ten- Tennessee trades up to get ahead of the Steelers against? What if Tampa Bay does? What if he goes to Tampa Ooh. Bay behind Tom Brady? He has to wait for a year. Sure. Maybe two. Uh, yeah, if he's – I think it's close enough um, with with Willis and, and some of the other prospects, you know, Brees Hall, who's, who's the other contender for the 101, that that would be enough to pivot me, you know, to Hall or, or whoever else uh, is the top option at that point. Yes, I did it. Matt. <laughs> yeah, but one you're, or two. You're doing – you're ranking – I turned right, it around on him. You're ranking right now based on that happening. The reality is, yeah. <laughs> the, the the more likely. No, I'm not. Is, Obviously not. Well, I, you know, my ranking of Malik Willis at four has nothing to do with a with a crazy landing spot or anything like that. I don't think I don't think it's a guarantee that the Steelers take him at twenty. I don't even think it's a guarantee in the NFL draft that he's the first quarterback taken. It's it's not a guarantee, not at all. Um, I don't know. I, I've that that, that gives me pause with his dynasty value. I've heard that you hate Malik Willis, so yeah, maybe we should just move I, on. Did yeah. you listen to last week's show? Dan hates Willis. <laughs> we we talked about it already, right? Matt, <laughs> you're you're up at the 102. 102 is easy with Willis off the board. It's Brees Hall. Just, you know, I, I think he's still probably like the running back four in a good class like last, like like in 2021. Um, but he separated himself from the pack at this point, and just due to positional scarcity, I think uh, he's the easy 102 here. New uh, new startup dynasty ADP posted uh, just this weekend for April. Brees Hall is the RB seven in dynasty startups. Wow, yeah, that's a little Holy rich. Cow. But, things uh, yeah. it, things might get out of control here pretty soon. I will sell it. Um, I am at the three pick, and I, I gotta say, my number one rookie is still available. I'm gonna take take Traylon Burks. I'm still holding on. I'm not. I'm not concerned about the scouting combine. I think we all as dynasty managers set too high expectations with that scouting combine and his film is just so good. And he still profiles through, through those statistics and, and the speed score and everything as a number one wide receiver on an NFL team. I love his route running. I love his physicality. I I still think he's fast. He certainly plays fast. I think he's the most talented wide receiver in the class. Although if Drake London finally gets to run here in a few days and he, and he blows up that pro day, that, that may change. He might become my number one guy. So I, I take Traylon Burks at three. Ryan, who you got it for? Yeah, London is my wide receiver one. Uh, 
Burks, by the way, is still wide receiver one in DLF rankings and DLF ADP, uh, rookie ADP. But London is my guy, so I'll take him here at four. I love that, and and he could he could move up still. There's still a chance, and you know if he gets that top ten draft equity and is the number one wide receiver drafted on on that opening night of the NFL draft, he he's going to see a spike in dynasty value for sure. Uh, Matt, how about the 105? Yeah, this board broke perfectly for me because my wide receiver one is still on the board, and that's Garrett Wilson, so I'll take him here. Honestly, on the daily, it seems like I go back and forth between Burks and and Wilson as my wide receiver one. So uh, I think he's the safest, uh, so happy to get him at five. I'm going to stick with the wide receivers. I'll go with Chris Olave, although it is very, very close with him and the next guy in my rankings. Ryan, how about you at the seven pick in the first yeah, round? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of that positional scarcity. I'm gonna go with Kenneth Walker, who uh, I think has a chance to be the RB one uh, in the NFL draft. I, I'm I'm not giving up on that. Uh, I'll take Walker at seven overall. Yeah, he's the guy that I considered there at six, and and I tinkered with my rankings before we did this mock. I had a hard time with that conversation with myself. I had Garrett Wilson at five. There was a small tier break. I like him better than Alave. Um, but this this whole tier right here, the Wilson, Alave, Walker, and maybe we can throw in another player that I'm sure is sure is about to go to Matt. Actually, Matt will probably go with the other guy. Uh, <laughs> I, I I think you you could make an argument, Ryan, that landing spot is going to dictate a lot inside this tier. Absolutely. I mean, these tiers, the, the, the top wide receiver tier, the second wide receiver tier, and, and you can argue... Maybe those those should all be one large tier. Those are tightly packed. Um, I think the second tier uh, of quarterbacks, again, depending on how you think about it, everybody everybody behind Willis are are tightly packed as well. Matt, I already put his name in in our running mock draft. Who are you taking? Yeah, you did. You you called it. It's Pickens, and and I, I there is another player I might take here in, instead, and depending on what my team situation is. But if I if I leave a draft and miss out on on George Pickens, I would be real sad. So one hundred eight George Pickens. Well, if I'm sitting as a playoff team that earned the one hundred nine, and James Jameson Williams is staring me in the face, I'm thrilled. So. You know, he's the end of a tier for me. I love Pickens. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the last guy that I'm extremely excited about getting in a in a rookie draft, even in Superflex. So I'll take Williams right here and, and run to the bank with, with a potential wide receiver one down the road. Yeah, that's definitely the end of the end of a, a tier. Big um, big yeah. Yeah. So I, I think once we have all that information that the NFL draft will bring us. This pick will be a quarterback. Um, if you're drafting before the NFL draft, I know those those leagues are out there. It's tough to predict or tough to decide which one you really want here. So I'm even though quarterbacks are next on my my current rankings, I'm going to skip that position and I'm going to take the guy we talked about today, Jahan Dotson, here at 110. Yeah, I like that because. If if we are going to approach this like like it's a real draft before the NFL draft, you you don't want to take too much risk on. And it feels like some of them quarterbacks that they're they're too risky. We we have no idea if they're first round picks or maybe even third round picks. Who knows? Um, well, so I mean, yeah, we'll we'll get to it. I think Pickett is locked in as a first round pick. 
but the others, oh, I think so too. But the others in this tier, but, I, I'm I wouldn't say that about. Right. So so maybe Pickett. You know, there's probably a lot of dynasty players that are risk averse that are going to take Pickett in a spot like this. Um, personally, I would pivot to Dotson as well. Matt, how about you? I wouldn't pivot to Dotson, but uh, like you said, you know, before the draft, it's just so hard to know with the rest of these quarterbacks. They don't, none of them really have the same kind of fantasy upside that Willis does. So we're either like the smartest super flex drafters right now, or maybe the dumbest that we're not taking quarterbacks that are probably going to go in the first round. And I'm not going to take one either. And I might be dumb. But don't you agree? Don't you agree that post NFL draft picks, rookie draft picks, these picks will be quarterbacks? And, and yeah, maybe absolutely. Even some, I, of the, some of the higher ones. Yeah, I think we're going to see three or four quarterbacks. If we get that many in the first round, I think we'll see that many in the first round uh, of, of rookie drafts. So, uh, but one eleven. I, I I disagree. You disagree? I don't think we should take quarterbacks in here, no matter where they go in the NFL draft. Uh, well, one eleven. I'll take somebody who's who's also lost a ton of value and, and may fall. I mean, if he falls out of out of day two, we're we're done with Spiller. But for right now, I still have Spiller. You know, I, in the same tier with Walker at at a minimum. Um, so at the end of the first, I feel like that's a perfect spot to take a shot on him, despite the the concerns with the athleticism. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay away from the quarterback position wow, as one, well one, and one. take an upside pick. A guy that I only think there's there's four or five guys that could be like alpha wide receivers in the class, true alphas, and I think Christian Watson is one of them. I also think he's going to get picked way higher than people think in the top fifty picks, and I I don't know I I kind of think the Packers are are going to take it. I don't want them to. <laughs> and uh, if that happens, he'll go higher than twelve. So I'm I I if I got a winning team. And uh, I earned the 112 of the championship roster. I'm going to swing for the fence. And I, I think that swing is with Christian Watson. That wraps up round one. He went Malik Willis, Brees Hall, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Kenneth Walker, George Pickens, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, Isaiah Spiller, and Christian Watson. So super flex rookie draft, Ryan. And only one quarterback goes... It's he went first overall. If you're at the two oh one and you already have Malik Willis on your team and the and the draft goes like this, right now, who are you taking? I'm taking Kenny Pickett. You've got to mention him a, a few minutes ago. You know he's going to be a first rounder in the NFL draft. I don't love the prospect, uh, but I think that value is, is too much hard to or too too much to pass up. Matt, you're up at the 202. Yeah, it feels it doesn't feel good to keep passing on quarterback, but I'm going to do it again, and uh, I'm going to take Sky Moore. Uh, it's between two receivers here. Sky Moore is we haven't talked about him yet, but you know he he's like the the rocket ship, you know, of this draft class right now. It seems like he's the one who's being hyped up, and and I I understand it, so uh, I'm happy to get here at the at the early second. I'm up at the 203, and I will I'll actually dip in dip my toe in the quarterback market. I'm going to take Matt Coral at at um, I guess this is 15 overall. Um, hopefully, he gets the the first round um, draft draft. He's picked in the first round of the draft. If that happens, he might be gone by now. Going back to what you guys said, but um, I'll just take a shot on him in the second round, Ryan. 
Yeah, I'm going to stick with the quarterback position. The the player that is rising, I've even seen him uh, potentially listed as, as the QB1 in the class, is Desmond Ritter. He's a hometown boy here from Louisville, so I'll, I'll go with Ritter. And again, 2.04, this is... This is where the quarterback value just becomes ridiculous, really. Yeah, my my actually my quarterback too is still on the board, uh, so I guess I'll take him. I feel like I'm going to lose on the player I want to take, but I'll go ahead and take Sam Howell here. All right, so a run on quarterbacks here. In fact, three in a row and four out of the last five to begin the first round or the second round. Uh, that puts me back on the clock at the 206, and I will, gosh, you know what? I think, no, I'll, I'll go back to wide receiver once again, but I'm going to go with, oh, it's a tough call. I got him back-to-back in my rankings. I think I'll stick with David Bell. I'll go with the Purdue guy, the guy That's we talked the about, um, for all those re- reasons that we talked about. Bell would have been my pick as well. Instead, I'll go with um, a guy we haven't talked about much at all, but I really like Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. That's the other guy. Yeah, he's next on my list. Yeah, that's a good pick. We'll get to talk about him very soon in the Rookie Report. I'm looking forward to that chat for sure. Matt, 208. Back to running back, and I'll take Rashad White for the reasons we talked about today. Yeah, yeah, good pick there. He was the next guy in my rankings as well. I'm going to dip my toe back in among those wide receivers. Guy that uh, some may think this is a little bit early for John Mechie, but I'll I'll go with him. Uh, I know the injury concerns and all that stuff. I, I still like the Alabama product to, to go early. He's a young guy, too. He's, he's a guy we need to talk about before the draft. Mm, last pick here. It's a tough one. Um, I think I'm going to go with the tight end one, Trey McBride. Uh, big guy, 6'4", almost 250 out of Colorado State. like him as a uh, day two pick. There's no way this player is, well, I guess I would say it's unlikely this player goes here at 211, but since we're only doing two rounds, I want to just highlight a player that I learned about this week uh, here with the last pick, Kevin Harris, running back of South Carolina. He's probably going to be like a day three kind of lottery ticket guy, but uh, he's got the size 5'10", 221. It's explosive athlete, second best vert amongst the running backs, the third best broad jump uh, at 10'6", at at amongst the running backs. Uh, this is somebody you're not going to want to tackle uh, above the waist. So um, I'm going to, I'll highlight him there. I know it's probably not going to be a second round pick at the end of the day, but I'd happy, happily take a shot at him in the third if he gets any kind of draft capital. So you, you did some digging on him and, and we said, we're, we're going to do this like we were doing a real draft. <laughs> and you, you pick a third round guy in the second round. I really like happened? him. I really like him. So I'm gonna... that to be fair, Matt does. Uh, Matt does overdraft players in real drafts as well. So it's okay. <laughs> oh, go, all right. Listen, well, I got to give my guys. Okay. Zing. Uh, okay. I'm going to, I think I'm going to take, I'll, I'll follow your lead a little bit. I, I just, just taking. a little bit. I'm not in love with all these guys. I'm going to take Isaiah Likely, oh. the, the other tight end that's going to go in on day two that I'm pretty excited about. I got turned on to the, this guy here recently and spent a whole bunch of time watching him over the last couple of days. So Isaiah Likely ends up the tight end two in the class at the 212. Oh, you, you Round two is in the book. It went Kenny Pickett, Sky Moore, and then three quarterbacks in a row, Matt Coral, Desmond Ritter, and Sam Howell. 
Then it, that was followed up by David Bell, Jalen Tolbert, Rashad White, John Mechie, Trey McBride, Kevin Harris, and, and the aforementioned tight end that that is likely to be one of my picks on my team, guys. I thought you were going Pierre likely. Strong there, Dan. Yeah, I thought about it. He's he's another guy that I'm pretty excited about. Another guy we got to talk about before the NFL too draft many, because there's there's things to say. There's too many guys to talk about. So we might have to do we might have to go old school and do a whole episode <laughs> on on one topic or or just keep hitting buttons for for different topics and just keep talking about rookies. I don't know what we'll do, but we got a couple weeks left to talk about as many as we can. Maybe we'll do a pick your own, pick your poison, pick your favorite prospect or something like that here moving forward on the rookie report we're definitely going to get at least one more mock draft in before the nfl draft definitely going to do more rookie mock drafts right after the nfl draft as well so um that's going to do it for this episode of the dlf dynasty podcast i want to thank ryan and matt for joining me dan you should follow ryan at ryan mc 23 matt at matt price ff i'm at dmiler 22 and follow the podcast at dlf podcast for with your questions any trades you're doing what what rookie did we miss this week tell us about it maybe we'll talk about it on the show next week we're out of here that's going to do it for this episode we'll catch you again next week thank you for listening to the dlf dynasty podcast please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts